I'm going to begin by reading a familiar passage to us this uh, Advent season. It's out of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Remarkable, remarkable account. As we uh, move through the four weeks of Advent, when we think about hope, think about peace and joy and love, um, we're reminded that all of these things are given to us by the one whose birth that we celebrate this Christmas season, Jesus of Nazareth. And last week, uh, Aaron spoke about hope. And this week, as our Fruit of the Spirit Countdown series now merges with our Advent celebration finally, we're going to be focusing on peace, peace. In the series that I've called, or in the sermon that I've called, um, Be at Peace, Jesus is Near. So Father, once again, we come to you. <clears throat> We're praying a lot this morning because we need you. It's just an acknowledgement. Um, Father, it's, it's just our way of saying thank you and our way of saying help. And, um, and God... As we pray, we're reminded of your presence, of your nearness. And so, God, we pray you administer to us as we open your word, uh, teach us, um, and guide us, and encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. I don't think that it was mere coincidence that it was in darkness, the darkness of light, of night, when the light of God's glory was revealed to the shepherds. This is the way the account is given, and you might miss the fact that it was at night. And why was it at night? And I don't think it was a coincidence. Because 700 years before what was for the shepherds a terrifying event, God made this promise to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And, um, and portions of it were read for us already this morning. Here's how Isaiah sees what God is promising. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased 
their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. Will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Glory to God. Amen. The angelic hosts were announcing to the shepherds that the centuries-long period of waiting was finally over, that the age-old messianic promises had been fulfilled, and that the Savior child for the world, Jesus, had been born. And this indeed was good news of great joy for all, and the only right response when you get news like that is to worship. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God is to receive all the glory for fulfilling his promise through his son, Jesus the Christ, in whom and in whom alone we can have peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Several weeks ago, I was studying uh, the book of Philippians with some other people. And it's when we got to chapter 4 that I, that I realized in the moment that this was going to be the passage that I was going to use for this sermon. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And um, <clears throat> it's the Apostle Paul writing, and this is what he said. A familiar passage again for many of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Great passage. Great passage, great truth. All right, let's talk about the peace of God that Paul mentions here. Some people uh, will think that peace uh, is merely the absence of conflict. It's fairly common uh, for some people just to assume that if there's not war or conflict or whatever, then there must be peace. But I think that most of us here know that that's not necessarily true. When, uh, <clears throat> when Israel and Hamas right, declared a ceasefire a couple of weeks ago, did any of us really think that there was peace just because they weren't dropping bombs? No. So the absence of conflict or bombs being dropped does not mean that there is peace. I uh, grew up in a family... <clears throat> 
where arguing and debating was not encouraged. In fact, it was strongly discouraged. Uh, Debating and arguing was not something that we were really allowed to do in our home. And as a result, because there was the absence of arguing and debating, I thought that I grew up in a pretty peaceful home. That was my understanding. I had no idea, honestly, as a child and even as a teenager, about the unspoken anger, about the resentment, about the unforgiveness, and the strong disappointment that my parents had toward one another. That was completely hid from us. That's why the news of my dad's affair and the breakup of their 34-year-old marriage came to us as a complete surprise. My mom, my siblings, and I had mistakenly interpreted the absence of conflict to mean peace. It was anything but. But the peace of God offered, that God offers, isn't the mere absence of conflict, is it? God's peace is the premier presence of God. It's Emmanuel, God with us, and the indwelling life of the Holy Spirit for all believers. The peace of God moves beyond negotiated ceasefires and the quiet sweeping of problems under the rug. God's peace leads to genuine healing, reconciliation, forgiveness, and love. And I love that about God's peace. The phrase, the peace of God, that Paul uses reminds us that we're talking about a provision provided to us by God. It's his peace. It's common for people to look for peace because there's a desperate need for peace in our world. Is that right? Desperate need for peace. And so people are looking everywhere for peace. They're looking for it through meditation, through yoga, spending time in nature, hypnosis, maximizing time with positive people, caring for others, eating healthy foods, and right, and on and on and on. And and there's nothing wrong with some of these things. But Jesus said this peace, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I give it to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says, don't settle for the peace that this world offers because It's only light and momentary. Or as Aaron quoted last week, it it provides you an opportunity to fidget while you wait for death. Rather, seek and receive the peace that God offers, the peace that comes from being with God and knowing that he is with you, a peace that will never leave you. Because Jesus will never leave you. Because he is near. The Lord is near. 
the peace of God. It's a perfect peace. Philippians 4, 7 goes on to say that the peace of God transcends all understanding. The prophet Isaiah used the phrase perfect peace to describe the peace that God bestows on those who keep him at the center of their lives, always trusting in him. This passage, Isaiah 26, 3, reads this. In this way, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. On one hand, we shouldn't be surprised that God gives perfect peace because God is perfect. And what God gives is always, by definition, perfect. Yes. Yet many of us are still sometimes caught off guard by how perfect his peace really is, especially when everything around us is not perfect. Peace, actually, in contrast to the chaos, can sometimes feel weird. Like, wow, it can feel awesome, but it can also feel weird. But it brings your own body and your mind and your heart and spirit into alignment with God's template before creation. Um, and before creation was broken by sin. The Hebrew word for this perfect peace is what, Bill? Shalom. Shalom. Yeah. Shalom. God's perfect peace. It's so perfect. It it exceeds our ability to comprehend even. And it almost makes no sense in light of circumstances that we face all the time. God's perfect peace. The Apostle Paul knew God's perfect peace full well. And he knew its contrast compared to situations that he would frequently find himself in. Right, we have to remember that the book of Philippians that I'm using, it was written by the Apostle Paul in prison. In exactly a situation that was probably the antithesis of peaceful. And yet he was able to speak about the peace of God. There was nothing perfect about Paul's circumstance. And yet he had God's perfect peace because the Lord was near to him. So followers of Jesus, the truth is we can know God's perfect peace as we are reminded of his presence with us. And that is comforting to me and maybe also for us. God's perfect, um, God's peace is perfect. It also is permanent. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4, 7 that the provision of God's Perfect peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It will uh, guard our hearts and minds. The Greek verb used here is in the future active indicative tense, meaning what? Meaning that it's permanently working to accomplish its purpose. It's going to accomplish what it is intended to. 
The significance of the use of this verb is that as we keep Christ at the center of our lives, seeking to trust him and obeying him, transferring full control of our lives to him, God's provision of perfect peace will remain a permanent reality in our lives. Do you believe it? It's sometimes challenging to believe. I'll grant you that. But this is true. This is true. And, and I'll give you that. Jude 24, 25. I remember reading it when I was a college student. It was so encouraging to me. And it has been encouraging to me for the last 40 plus years. Jude 24, 25. There's no chapter heading because there's only one chapter in the book of Jude. So Jude, verses 24 and 25. Reminds me that my life is safe in the hands of God. And that he will permanently... Lead me safely through the storms and the struggles of life until my last day on earth. And so here's the promise of God from the book of Jude to him. I was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. It just reminds me that God is going to get me from here to there safely. And his, uh, his provision is permanent, and I'm so thankful for that. The peace of God. Is perfect, it's permanent, and it is protective. Philippians 4, 6, Paul explains that the purpose of the permanent provision of God's perfect peace is to protect us from the anxiety and despair of this world. The picture Paul uses of God's protective peace is that of a military sentry posted outside the city gates, always prepared to defend the inhabitants against attack. This is the imagery that Paul is using. And again, because of his own personal experience, the language that Paul uses is strong and confident because he has personally experienced this. And so he is speaking the truth from experience. He's leaving no doubt in the reader's minds of God's ability to protect us with his peace. His peace. I've shared this story before, but it's going to be new to many of you. Uh, several years ago, Beverly and I, we were traveling by train to, uh, from Albany to Penn Station in New York City. And while standing in a long line waiting for a cab, we noticed a person lurching toward the sidewalk toward us. The man was using violent language and appeared to be out of control as he approached an elderly gentleman in the line ahead of us and he yelled, give me your wallet. The older man tried to ignore him, but the threatening stranger just yelled at him even more loudly. Then, so fast that none of us saw it coming, the beggar hauled off and punched the elderly gentleman right in the face. It was awful. And it knocked him to the ground, um, and his glasses went flying. Beverly, she, she grabbed my arm. I think I probably grabbed hers too. And we were frozen. Like, did that really just happen? Um, and we were afraid, very much afraid. After retrieving his broken glasses, the elderly gentleman, he stood up, only to be punched again. 
in the face. At this, the whole line that we were in, we, we sort of made kind of like animal noises, you know, like, oh, you know, like a mob, you know, and we kind of intimidated the would-be mugger, and he, and he ran off, and, uh, and then the police were called. As we watched the mugger run away, a taxi uh, driver pulled up, and, um, and I think some people felt sorry for us. I think they pushed us in the taxi. You guys get out of here. You're clearly not from New York. And uh, they put us in this taxi, and, and uh, we, we, uh, we got in the back seat, and we were like, what on earth just happened? That's crazy. After giving our taxi driver the address of our destination, we slumped back in the seats, and we were just really honestly just thankful to be alive. Our taxi driver asked us if we were enjoying our visit to New York City. (laughs) And uh, we were kind of actually thankful for this chance to debrief what we had just witnessed. And we told him the whole story. And we were still very shaken by the ordeal. I happened to notice on his dash um, board that he had what looked to me like a Bible. And I asked him about it. And it turned out that he was a Christian. And... um, and, and so we, of course, were delighted, and then we said, oh, well, we're Christians too. We're, we're Christians too. <laughs> he then looked at us both through the rearview mirror, neither one of us will forget this. He looked at us in the rearview mirror, and he asked them, he said, so if you guys are Christians, why are you so afraid? Before we could answer, he launched honestly into one of the most powerful sermons that we've ever heard about how much bigger God is in comparison to the crazy world around us and that uh, if God is with us, who can stand against us and through Christ we can do all things and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Just one point after another pointing us to God. This is amazing. He finished up just before we got to our final destination by telling us this story. He said, so one day, a man got into the back of his taxi, and he put a revolver to his head, and he said, I'm going to kill you. I don't want your taxi. I don't want your money. I want you dead. Our taxi driver grabbed that Bible that was on his dash, and, um, and he held it up, <clears throat> and he quoted Matthew 10, 28 somewhat loosely, and he said, your bullet may be able to kill me but it can do nothing to destroy my soul. I, if I were you, would be more afraid of this weapon. (laughs) Our taxi driver heard the man, pulled the trigger. And, um, but their shot wasn't fired, so blank. The man apparently jumped out of the taxi and ran away. God gave our taxi driver, I believe, his peace in that moment. His peace in that moment. And, and God's peace, I think, protected both of them. I think it protected the taxi driver from, uh, from death. And I think it protected the would-be killer from murder, committing murder. God's peace protected them both. The peace of God is perfect, it's permanent, it is protective, and it is permeating. 
having established that God's provision of peace is all of these things, perfect, permanent, protective, Paul goes on to explain that God's peace is permeating. It's a permeating peace. It's pervading every part of our being summed up in this phrase, and this is the way that Paul sees it, in your hearts and your minds, he says in Philippians 4. God's protective peace doesn't just protect our emotions, letting our thoughts become cluttered with the cares and the burdens of this world. Neither does God's protective peace only protect our minds, leaving our emotions untethered and prey to the worldly anxieties and worries. God's peace, God's peace, it permeates uh, to the very core of who we are, allowing us to know his presence even when the world around us is in con chaos again. The Lord is near. I was a, I was a little surprised to learn this week that of the 500 million version users around the world, any of you version users? Yeah, quite a few of you. You are among the 500 million. The Bible verse shared, bookmarked, and highlighted most often during 2023 has been Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord is near. And apparently the world needs to know that. Yeah. So, um, uh, you can come on um, down. <laughs> um, and, uh, but um, we have a couple of minutes. I'm going to lead us in an exercise um, that's meant to bless you. It's uh, just going to give us a moment. Uh, to reflect perhaps on the ways in which God wants to increase his peace in your life um, in this moment and as you go into this week and the rest of this holiday season and as you think about 2024, I, I want to give God an opportunity to increase his peace in your life. So I'm going to read uh, Philippians uh, 4, that section one more time, and uh, Adrian Unrehearsed is just going to play some gentle background music that our gifted musicians know how to do. And uh, thank you. That's awesome. <clears throat> and so uh, I want you to get comfortable. If you're not already, kind of get comfortable to the best of your ability. <clears throat> um, and I just want you to, um, as I read this passage, I just want you to think, is there any anxiety or any fear that you're dealing with right now? Anything that you're worried about or stressed out over? Um, and so you can be thinking about that as I read Philippians 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Someone once said that if your problem is big enough to worry about, 
that's big enough to pray about. What helps me most to combat my fears and worries, honestly, is reminding myself that the Lord is near. Once that gets firm in my head, in my heart, I'm good. Knowing his presence uh, in my life has given me peace when I've needed it most. And when I think about my future, knowing that Christ will always be with me, will never leave me or forsake me. It's true for us. That again, just gives me great peace. So we're gonna take a moment to be silent and I'm gonna guide us through an exercise. Um, And I wanna remind us that God is here. He's not far off. He's here. He is near. So it may be helpful as I guide you through this exercise to close your eyes. And I'm going to suggest that you physically actually put your hands out in front of you like you're holding something. Two hands. And if there is anxiety or fear or stress or worry. I want you to imagine that those are now in your hands. So for some of us, you might be holding just one thing or maybe one person But for others, we might be holding many things and many people. I wonder if anybody here is worried about or um, maybe a a fear that you have about your job. In your hands right now, um, maybe, um, for instance, for the students, some exams that you have coming up this week. You may be holding in your hand anxiety about your health or the health of a friend or a loved one. Perhaps when you're looking at your hands right now, all you see is emptiness because all you can see is a lack of money right now. And you're stressed out about how you're going to pay for bills that are past due. And I know many of us actually are holding our children and our grandchildren and some of us are spouses who are currently not walking with the Lord. And this is a burden weighing heavily on you. So what anxiety or fear are you holding right now? When you're ready, I want to invite you to lift your hands as if you're giving what you've been holding onto to the Lord. So lift them up if you can. And when you're ready. And if you can, let him take those worries from you. 
In, in other words, you need to let go of them. <laughs> and you can trust him with them. He now has what you've been holding. And now your hands are empty. And before you put your hands down, notice that God is putting something into your hands that was not there before. And this is his perfect gift for you. It's his peace. Now I want to invite you to place your hands that you've been holding his peace with over your heart. And I want you to hear him speak these words to you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen. You may open your eyes. What we just did together is a spiritual exercise that you might, you might have felt a little uncomfortable doing it in, you know, here, and I understand that, um, but it may be something that you'd want to do on a regular basis. It's a very powerful exercise of reminding yourself that you do not need to live with the anxiety and the fear, but you can give it to him. Remember, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to... Because of the various references to doves in the Bible, including the flood, when Noah sent out a dove and it returned with an olive branch, and at the baptism of Jesus, doves have come to represent peace over time. You know this, yeah? It's a cultural thing. Yeah, doves. Yeah, I think it's a global thing. Only God can give you his peace, but as a symbol and reminder of receiving God's peace, I can give you something to remind you of God's peace. I can give you dove chocolate. So on your way out today, you will all have the opportunity to receive dove chocolate of your choosing. There's a lot of different, crazy number of varieties of dove chocolate I have discovered recently. And so um, uh, some people will be helping you to, uh, to receive those as you leave uh, this morning. And I would hope that maybe the dove that you take or the doves you take, it's up to you, um, will remind you today. But maybe any time you go to the store and you see doves, it will remind you of God's peace. That would be awesome. Okay, I need to say one more thing for uh, some people here that you have come to church, and I'm so glad that you're here. You've come, and you're like, what on earth? What on earth? What am I doing here? Uh, And yet, here you are. And I have just come to believe that when people come to church, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. God has you here for a reason. You don't even know what that reason is, dude. But God does. God knows why you're here. And he has a gift for you as well. And it's the gift of salvation. I remember when this was offered to me, I was like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And then somebody prayed for me, and suddenly something within me wanted that. I couldn't even understand why. 
and maybe I'm talking to somebody here. And so I just want to present to you an opportunity to, to experience peace with God, perhaps for the very first time. And uh, the awesome thing about it, it's not complicated. Um, I think you maybe already know that the things that you've done um, in life, that has alienated you from God. That has separated you from God. The Bible calls the things that you've done that have hurt God and hurt others, the Bible calls that sin. And, um, and sin is a problem. Sin separates us from God. And, and you will never be at peace when you're separated from God. Try as you might, you will never experience the kind of peace that we're talking about today. Jesus alone gives that peace. And Jesus wants to give you his peace. And so if you want to get rid of your sin and you want to enter into a peaceful, right relationship with God, here's, here's all you need to do. Come clean. Come clean. Talk to God. Say, God, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Be as specific as you want. And let him show you ways in which you've hurt him. And then just say, God, I'm sorry. I really am sorry. You are the one who's given me this life. And I'm wrecking it and ruining it. And yet you can redeem it. And you can do something good with me. You can give me your peace and you can use me to help bring peace to this world that so desperately needs peace. So I want to give you this opportunity. I'm going to pray. And if you want to pray along with me, um, feel free to. And I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray for all of us also. So if you have um, settled for living with sin and you're just trying to learn how to live with it, trying to learn how to manage it, you're trying to learn how to balance your sin, Someday you're going to get tired of that. It's going to overwhelm you. In fact, it will destroy you. And I just, as a person who has your best interests in mind, I just want to encourage you right now to get rid of that sin, to confess your sin to God. Say, God, I, I am a sinner, and I am in need of your help. Please forgive me of my sin. And I pray that you would remove my sin, God, far from me. And that rather than desiring things that are hurting you and hurting others and hurting myself, God, I pray you'd give me your Holy Spirit. That will come in and live within me and give me a desire to live my life in a way where I'll experience peace with you and with myself and with others. So Jesus, I give my life fully to you. And I thank you that as I've confessed my sin, that you are faithful and just and you have forgiven me of my sin. And you've cleansed me of all filthiness and unrighteousness. God, I thank you for that.
to help me to grow in my love and my trust for you, Jesus. And Father, for all of us, these are, these are days when we need to be reminded of your peace. And these are days when we need to extend your peace to others. And so God, give us what we need, Father, in this season to overflowing So as people interact with us, they can experience, God, your peace. We love you, God, and we praise you, and we thank you. Friends, be at peace. Your Jesus is near.